Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, uh, November 15th, Year of Our Lord, 2021. And this is episode number 53. Um, I'm trying something new this week, so I'd appreciate if you if you notice anything off or... Um, just audio wise, if it doesn't work, or if if you just, I don't know, if you if you feel any any sort of difference in it, if it seems like there's a a negative to it, um, if you'd please let me know, I'd really appreciate it. Um, but I think I mentioned last time, well, I've mentioned several times probably that a lot of times I'll I'll, I'll make notes of my thoughts throughout the week. Um, and I'm talking like like just predominant thoughts, thing, things that I, I feel like I can discuss on the podcast. And I'll just write down like a headline for, for the thought. And then by the time I come around to recording, you know, later on in the week or whatever, I record these on Monday. So my thoughts are uh, usually from the previous Tuesday through Sunday. And a lot of times I'll look at the notes and I can't recall exactly why I was thinking what I was thinking or what led to that thought. And, um, I, I suppose it hasn't really caused any issues other than just internal stress. Um, uh, but I, th- I thought I'd try something different, um, this time around, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. So, uh, we'll just have to play it by ear. But what I, what I did is, uh, a while back, I discovered that I can import, uh, a voice recording so I don't have to record this live. Um, if a thought occurs to me throughout the week, I, I can take a few minutes to record a, a voice recording of my thoughts, discuss the issue, and then I can import it um, into the podcast when I do it on Monday and just edit it and, and put it out. And so I thought maybe that would be better. Um, a, it, it'll save me time on Mondays. Um, and then B, uh, the idea is fresh while I'm discussing it. So it's, it's like, you know, I know exactly what I'm thinking about when I, when I record it. Um, so I'm going to try that this week. I I have a few thoughts that I recorded, um, earlier this week and I'll just import them and then I'll, I'll edit, uh, the podcast and, and see how that turns out. Um, again, I don't know if it'll be good or bad or, or whatever. Um, and you know, as I try to be spirit led, I I don't know if it's the right thing to do because a lot of these projects that I take on, um, the podcast and the various videos that I record, and I've shared this many times before as well, uh, but it's based on the premise of Proverbs 16, verse 3, I believe, where it says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And so I feel like um, dedicating myself to a schedule and and having um, something spiritual, something edifying, something something rooted in, in, in the Bible, rooted in Christ, Having something to do each day um, at the end of my work day um, is, is a positive thing. I feel like that's something I should be doing. Uh, like Mondays, I do the podcast. Um, Tuesdays, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, get up to the local jail here and volunteer to do a Bible study up there. I don't know if that's going to work out or not. We'll, we'll see how the Lord um, leads it. I don't know if the door will open there because... You know, they don't really have a whole lot of volunteer uh, stuff going on up at the jail because of COVID. Um, so, so we'll see if the Lord opens that door and if I can get in there 
and uh, just do a, a Bible study with the with the with the folks in jail every Tuesday. Um, I would enjoy doing that. It would, it would be a great blessing, but we'll see. Um, but then on Wednesdays, um, there's this new church in town, not new, but new to me, uh, in the new town that I've moved to. <clears throat> and I started t- attending there. And then uh, Wednesday nights, they have a Bible study, a small group that meets. Um, so I'm trying to go there, which is really stepping outside of my comfort zone. I don't do well um, meeting new people. I don't do well uh, with small talk, praise the Lord. <laughs> I haven't had to deal with that. I just kind of walk into the meeting, sit and listen to the topic, and then, you know, exit at the end. Um, but I really, I, I, I do have this motivation to try to get involved in the community here. Like I want to, I want to find other believers and, and start to, to fellowship and engage with them and, and see what kind of ministry opportunities are there. See, see, see how that unfolds. And so I thought going to that Bible study on Wednesdays would be a good first step. And then, um, Thursdays I record my YouTube worldview series, uh, developing a proper worldview. And then Fridays, um, I do want to start my own Bible study in my home. I want to host a Bible study. I want to be able to invite people into my home and, and, uh, share the gospel with folks and, and see how that goes. And then, um, Saturdays, I, I gather together with my, um, fellowship up in the Twin Cities. So, so I drive up to the Twin Cities every Saturday morning and spend the whole day with my brothers up there. And then, of course, on Sundays, it's church in the morning. And then I'm trying to rotate between going to visit my mom every other week, weekend, and then um, doing some sort of uh, street sign evangelism on the all alternating weeks, uh, weekends. <clears throat> so just, you know, like I say, trying to keep myself busy, committing my works to the Lord, committing my works to spiritual things um, so that my mind will stay focused because uh, my my sin is a lot of the mind sins, the thinking about things, you know, and, and just with lots of idle time, the mind wanders and you, you start thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. So um, I try to avoid that. But so I don't know if this is a good thing or not uh, or not to, to, to pre-record my ideas because it's going to free up a lot of time on Mondays. Like if I record this podcast live on a Monday, it takes, you know, almost an hour to do the recording and then, you know, another half hour, 45 minutes um, to edit it um, on uh, and, and get it uploaded to YouTube and Rumble. Um so perhaps having the downtime on Mondays will be a bad thing, but we'll see. Um, at least this week, uh, I'm giving it a shot at. Like I say, I pre-recorded a few ideas, and uh, I'll edit them in and see how that goes. But um, yeah, so so live here, I guess there's only uh, one thing that I really wanted to touch on briefly. Um, I was thinking about so with all these different activities that I do. Um, on top of that, I, I mentioned on Sundays, I, I try to do street sign evangelism. I haven't done that in years, but the goal is to get out and, and into the various communities around here with the signs. And I really, really wanted to go um, a couple weekends ago, you know, sitting here wrestling. I, I was like, I, I was even ready to go. I got dressed. I I, I picked out a sign. Um, I knew where I was going to set up. I was getting ready to go. 
And then I kind of fell into this like conviction where I was testing my heart and I was like, what is, what is my reason behind this? What is the motive? Like, why am I wanting to do this? And, and it's that way with all ministry. Like, why am I doing this? If this is for me, is, is, is there some sort of selfishness or pride? If it's, it's, it's not, like, if it's not done out of pure motives for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, does that pride or selfishness or, um, and I say pride because it's like, you know, when you go out with the signs, especially in a small community, people are going to take note of you. And it's going to be like, and, and, you know, then you'll become known as that guy, you know, there's that, that gospel guy, there's that sign guy, you kind of get that reputation. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, I, you know, testing my heart, do I desire that? Am I doing this out of self-seeking? Do I want to people to know, Hey, there's a real Christian. There's, there's a real born again guy. Like, like, and, and if I'm honest with myself, there is a part of that in my heart. There's, there's a big part that looks for the approval of man that looks for the, not even approval. Cause a lot of people would, would mock or think me crazy or whatever, but it's like, I, I get that, um, reputation. And so I was testing my heart and it's like, it, it, if I'm doing that for that reason, does that ruin the ministry? Does that take the 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 spirit power out of it is it then an ineffective thing and say like if a if a preacher gets up to preach and and he's intellectually puffed up like you know I'm I get to show off how much I know or you know I get to 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 um really you know uh put the spotlight on my intellect and my study habits and my biblical knowledge and wisdom and if you have that in you, that, that does that taint the ministry? Does it, because in order to, 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 you know, for something to be effective, for, for a spiritual activity to be effective for the reaching, uh, uh, for the uh, salvation of souls, it has to be empowered by the Spirit. And does my sin take away from that power? Does it, does it taint the efforts? Does it ruin the effort? And if that's the case, is it even worth doing then? And so I was thinking about that when I was going to go out with the signs, and it really just discouraged me and made me think, well, you know, what's the point of even going out then if if I'm doing this for the wrong reasons, the wrong motive? And um, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I suppose, like you know, I started this by mentioning, commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. If my goal is to avoid sinful behavior, if my goal is to avoid that idle time where the mind wanders, then goal would be, the goal would be accomplished. It would be a good thing. Um, but my goal should be the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And so I don't know. I don't know why it's, it's very discouraging. I think about that all the time when I'm, I'm doing videos and stuff too. Um, usually I'm able to pray um, beforehand and pray that the Lord would humble me, that, that, uh, you know, it would be done for his glory with my, that that's been, um, a really great blessing specifically with the teaching videos I do with the, the, the doctrine videos and stuff like that. Um, I usually pray, um, on Facebook live, you know, w with anybody who's watching, I, I pray, uh, for that humility, and, and the Lord has answered that prayer every time. I think those have been really effective videos. Um, 
So maybe I just need to, to, to pray deeply about these things before I go into doing it. Um, or, you know, if I'm, like I say, if I'm doing it to, to eliminate that idle time, um, that's a good thing as well. But I don't know. I, I just know that, um, a couple weeks ago, Sunday, when I was going to go out, it, it really discouraged me and, and kept me from doing it. And I was, I was wondering, you know, well, perhaps I shouldn't have gone out then. Perhaps I was right in not going because my, my motives for going were wrong. But um, anyways, uh, the next two topics are going to be imported. So, so again, let me know if there's any glitch, if there's any hiccups, if it doesn't sound right, um, or if just if you have any thoughts on it. But um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to import those. Hopefully you won't notice any difference. It'll just flow like it normally would. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. All right, so I know this is a topic that I've talked about previously. Um, I mean, it's something we can't really avoid. The the vaccines, the mandates, the political atmosphere, it just it's dominating society. And so, of course, we're going to think about these things. And, and the born again is constantly trying to uh, view these things from a biblical perspective, trying to put these things into the, a biblical context. And, and so we're wrestling that out, trying to figure out, you know, <clears throat> what is the ultimate eternal reality of these things that are occurring in society. And um, one thing that I, I constantly uh, have been thinking about here is uh, the mark of the beast. <clears throat> and a lot of Christians, um, or at least the ones I see on social media, are, you know, flat out saying, no, this isn't the mark of the beast. You know, it it's not that. Um, and then on the other extreme, you have some people saying, yes, this is the mark of the beast. Um, you know, look at all this stuff. Look at it, the, the loose, it's, it's got a chemical in it called luciferous, um, which I don't know if these particular vaccines have that, or I know the technology exists. It's a, it's a, it's, um, like a glow-in-the-dark type chemical um, that, like, I think, like, jellyfish or something possess uh, so that it can be uh, tracked with, like, a certain app or a certain scanner. That bioluminescence uh, glow will come from it so that they can see that, that yes, this person has the, the vaccine. There's that the dot. But the chemical is called luciferous. Uh, so it has the name Lucifer in it. Like, that's, that's a great alarm bell right there that should tell every discerning Christian, whoa, something is funky with this. Um, but there's more to it than that as well. I mean, the mRNA, I don't understand the exact science, but it's it's like genetic modification. It's, it's introducing foreign DNA into your body. Uh, it's planting this RNA strand into your cells. Um manipulating your body to to create the the spike protein that exists on COVID-19 so that then your your white blood cells learn to fight it but but that kind of genetic manipulation uh which has existed for years in like food industry and whatnot you know genetic GMOs genetically modified um organisms things like that but 
but to move it into the human body uh, is super sketchy as well. Like, like I say, I don't understand the exact science behind it, how it all works. Uh, but if it's tampering with the image of God, if that is in fact what is going on, where the, the cells are being altered somehow, genetically modified, um, again, how, how can you not discern the, the, the scariness of that, the sketchiness of that? Um, also, um, that mRNA technology, that particular protein, that, that synthesized protein that they're putting into you or creating, that, that synthesized RNA strand that's going into your cells, it, it's, it's, um, basically patented, you know, it's, it's, it's traceable. They can identify it as, uh, Pfizer or Moderna or whatever, you know, under, under, under a microscope or under a scanner set up for that. I don't know how that works, but it, but it's identifiable. It, it has the name of the company basically ingrained into it. Like, like it has its tag, it has its mark so that they can know that's a Pfizer, uh, MRNA strain. That's a, that's a Moderna, you know, it's, it's traceable. Um, so, so that again, it, it, it has the, the name or the number of these organizations. So it, it's trackable. Um, again, that's another sketchy thing there. So those are some of the, the fringe conspiracy type things. Um, but the thing I keep coming back to, uh, for the, for those who deny that this is the mark of the beast, which I'm one of them, I I'm sitting here going, I don't think this is the mark of the beast. I, I think it is the precursor. I think it's the technology. I think, I think we're on the cusp of it. I think this is just the testing the waters, but this seems like the mark of the beast. But then I, I ask myself, I'm like, okay, why don't I think this is the mark of the beast? Like, like, why am I in denial about this? And I have to be honest with myself and say, it's just a feeling. And I'm like, well, that's kind of foolish to trust in a feeling. Like, like, why am I in denial about this saying, no, this isn't the mark of the beast. Uh, and then just basing that on feeling or, or whatever seems utterly foolish. And so I thought like, what, what can, like, what do Christians expect? Do they do they think the mark of the beast is going to come in a package that says the mark of the beast or that it's going to be announced, hey, this is the mark of the beast. You must take it. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, have this left behind um, pre-trib rapture fantasy fiction in their minds in that they think there's going to be some sort of uh, um, one authority figure, um, uh, a man, uh, the devil incarnate, causing everybody to bow down to him and worship him, and as a sign of that worship, uh, taking a mark of allegiance. That's the image people have in their mind because of the Left Behind series, because of uh, the, the, the dispensational pre-trib nonsense that's been taught. But like we 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 need to come back to scripture. We need to we need to try to separate ourselves um, from fantasies or ideas that we've had implanted by other people, and say, okay, what do the scriptures say? And <clears throat> I can think of there's there's three things uh, that the scriptures specific, uh, specifically talk about here. It says that um, speaking about the beast, the image of the beast. Um, or actually, let's back up here. There's another beast. So this is the second beast. 
that causes everybody to worship the first beast. So that's in, in 12. So he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. So a lot of people will say, see, it, it includes worship. But hold on, that's verse 12. That, that's a separate thing from the mark. He causes all to worship the beast. And then later, he causes all to get a mark. The mark isn't necessarily tied into the worship, I don't think, nor is the worship tied into the mark. They're separate events. They're separate things. There's he causes all to worship and he causes all to get the mark. That Those are two separate things. So let me just start there in, in verse 11. It says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So again, there, there's the worship aspect. But then we get a different thing here in verse 16. And, so this is a distinct and separate thing. And, verse 16 and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and 6. So I see three distinct things there. One, this is this is coming from the beast or the second beast, um, causing all uh, to do this in honor of the first beast or, or under the authority of the first beast. Um, it's, it's a mark received in the hand or in the forehead. And without it, nobody can buy or sell. So those are those are the three identifying characteristics that I see about this particular mark of the beast, and so 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 biblically speaking, um, what can we discern from this? Well, we know that a beast, according to the book of Daniel, and and Daniel and Revelation have very similar themes, similar images. Um, people call it apocalyptic literature. I don't like that phrase. I feel like that's made up. I feel like it's a way for people to loosely interpret. Uh, scripture, we, we still need to take scripture literal. It's it's definitely um, uh, metaphorical. It's 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 a vision is like a dream. You know, there's symbol. It's symbolic. Um, so, but it but my point is 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 Daniel identifies. He has a vision of beasts. He sees four beasts. In Revelation here, we have two beasts. And in Daniel, uh, the angel specifically um, clarifies and identifies what is meant by those symbols in his dreams, in his visions. And the angel tells him the beasts 
our governments, their empires, their 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 um, authorities, their their powers, their world powers. So in Daniel, he saw four beasts, and they rep they they sim symbolically represented uh, the kingdom of Babylon, uh, the kingdom of Medo Persia. Uh, the kingdom of Greece and the kingdom of Rome. So, so the angel identifies what a beast may, means in symbology. So, when we get here to Revelation, and like I say, there's a lot of ties between Revelation and Daniel. So, when you're reading Revelation, you should be thinking about Daniel, um, like the abomination of desolation, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, um, and, in, and at the end of Daniel, he's told to seal up the vision. In Revelation, it's told that the vision is for now. It's been unsealed. Um, so it, anyways, when we read about a beast in the book of Revelation, we ought to automatically, oh, okay, Daniel identified what a beast is. This is talking about a government. So th there's a there's two governments here. There's, there's a government that is wounded by the sword. Perhaps that's like in war or something. Uh, but then it's healed. And then there's a second governmental power. There's a second beast that causes the entire world to worship the first. So there's there's a unified world um, and, and, a, and a worship of this government, a worship of this empire. And then this second government power, uh, whatever it is, like let's say just for the sake of discussion here, uh, this is probably the way I lean towards it. Let's say uh, the first beast is uh, like America. Let's say the first beast is America. America is injured in a war, but then recovers and takes over the world. The second beast would be like the UN, requiring the whole world to come under the authority so that there's a one world government power. And then it says the second beast also causes all to get a mark. So this government-issued mark a mandated required mark. Now, what is meant by a mark? Um, usually a mark is it, it, like it makes you think of something trackable, something identifiable. Um, in the past, people thought it was social security numbers, a tattoo, um, UPC codes, RFID uh, tracking chips, whatever it is. Uh, but these vaccines have that, that traceable uh, data in them, a trackable data. Also, the Luciferus is trackable, so there, there's there's two tracking elements of this. But it's it's a it's so we have two things here. It's something injected in you that's traceable. It's in the hand or in the forehead. Uh, if you have a false Bible version, if you don't have the King James, it says on. Uh, that's a deception. That's why that's it's very important for you to have a King James Bible. Uh, because every jot and tittle in the Bible, every word, every syllable is vitally important. And when people take it upon themselves to change those words, uh, which the Bible says they're not to do, but they do it and, and profit off of it, they get a copyright. You know, in order to copyright something, it has to be at least 25% different uh, than the previous thing. So they have to change at least 25% of it. But when they do that, they they take the life out of it. 
You know, the word is God-breathed life. It is God's word. And he, every syllable, every jot and tittle, Jesus said, uh, every every syllable that God speaks has has depth, meaning, purpose. There, there's importance to it. God used that specific syllable, that specific word, that specific jot and tittle for a reason. When you alter it, it's like genetically modifying the word. You've altered the DNA. You've taken the life out of it. And so now it's something different. But nonetheless, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail there. That that uh, the, the scriptures say it's in the hand. So there's, the, there's our second identifier. We have it's government mandated. It comes from a beast, an empire. It's, it's government mandated. It's an identifiable injection. It's taken into you. It's an identifiable injection. And then the third mandate, it says, without it, you won't be able to buy or sell. So you're cut off uh, from the economy. You're cut off from the finances. So there's there's the three identifiers that I see. It's, it's government mandated, government required. It's injectable and traceable. And it's uh, tied into the finances. It's without it, you won't be able to work. So then you, you, you fast forward to where we're at today. And, and America and, and a lot of different places in the world, because people will say that as well. Well, it's not the whole world. Well, yeah, but the whole world starts somewhere, you know, and, and eventually becomes the whole world. It's, it, it's, you know, Australia, I think, has it. Uh, Israel has it. Um, the different places. Now that America is having it, I'm sure it'll spread to the rest of the world after this. But we have a mandated um, decree. So the government, the beast, is requiring this. The, the beast is forcing this. And what is it that they're forcing? An injectable, traceable mark. A beast is enforcing a mark. And what are they threatening? If you don't get it, you can't work. Well, that's how we derive our money. That's how we get money. That's how we survive. That's how we're in the economy. Like, if you don't work, how are you going to get money? People say, oh, unemployment and everything. Okay, well, the government gives unemployment. They're going to require the mark as well. So we, we're we being cut off. We won't be able to buy or sell. So we have a beast issuing a mark without which you won't be able to buy or sell. Why is that not the mark of the beast? Why are we in denial about that? Like I say, is it is it people are are they expecting an announcement on the news? This is the mark of the beast, or for the 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 actual uh, implantable thing to come in a package that says "mark of the beast" or have a picture of the devil on it? Um, with all these different things, man, it's like okay, even and again, I I tend I I'm not convinced it's the mark of the beast, but I have to go. Why do I think that? And it's nothing more than a feeling, because I'm going. Well, I don't feel it is, but if I go off of the scriptures, this certainly has all the identifying marks of the mark of the beast. This certainly looks like the mark of the beast, and so as a Christian, whether or not I feel like it's the mark of the beast, whether or not I believe it is. It has all these identifying marks. Why? How could a discerning Christian do this? Like, so so that that's where I'm at with this. Like, even if I don't feel like this is it or I don't believe this is it, it certainly looks like it. It 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 meets all the requirements that I see in scriptures 
for being the mark of the beast. So why, how could I do that? I can't take that mark. I cannot do it in good conscience. I can't. Um, you know, uh, Revelation 14, the next part talks about how, um, um, where does it say it here? That, you know, those who have taken the mark, uh, here goes in verse 9 of 14, it says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive, again, so there's a distinction between the worship and the mark. They're distinct things. If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, when you look at the consequences of worshiping the beast and taking his mark, um, the, it's just not, I, again, even if you don't feel that this is the mark of the beast, you don't believe it is, it, cert, it looks like it. How can you risk that? And so uh, if you have discernment, if you have eyes to see that there is a beast mandating a mark and threatening a cutoff from the economy. Um, that looks, smells, tastes like the mark of the beast. There it is. You know, it does it, it like, what more do we need? Um, the worship part might be coming down later. You know, there, there's, there's a, a time where all will be required to worship. But again, that's a distinct event from the mark. So anyways, uh, that's just one of the thoughts I've been having here. Another thing I wanted to talk about, um, I was discussing with my brothers uh, this Saturday after our Bible study. We were sitting at a Perkins talking about things. and um, I often think about this quote, and, I, and I've misattributed it to a lot of different... I always think it was Edwards that said it, but it wasn't, I guess. I, I just looked it up now, and it appears it's a John Wesley quote. And uh, so not too much you'd find me in agreement with on uh, John Wesley, but I do agree with the principle behind what he said here. He said that preaching should be 90% law, 10% grace. And I agree with that philosophy because the idea there is um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the most powerful, um, impactful sermons that I've ever heard were fearful sermons. Uh, like I think about uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. That is... To me, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached or written or whatever you want to say, it's, it's, it is it's so powerful, so impactful, so amazing. And the fear of the Lord is clean. You know, it's, it's a pure thing. It's a good thing. Uh, the saints love 
to hear um, the frightening truths of the severity of God because it's a cleansing thing. It, it spurs us on to sanctification. It, it causes us to set aside our foolishness and to to remember the seriousness that, that is at hand here, to, to remember that eternity and, and life and death and, and the soul is at stake and we can't just go about our lives living in, in um, how do you, is it pronounced frivolity or frivolty? You know, we, we can't go about living as if nothing really matters. We can't just be jovial and joking around and have it. There's a seriousness and a soberness about life and eternity. And because people are going to die and people are going to go to hell and, and sin is, um, abundantly wicked like our sin is a disgrace it, it is so evil it, it's offensive to god it's it's treason against the god who gave us life the god who's who's redeemed us and so when we're in sin when we when we sin or we're habitually given over to sin or um even when we just you know happen happenstance uh going about our lives commit a sin it's it's a grievous thing and it ought to be taken very seriously and unfortunately we don't and i think that's led to a um lukewarm church i, I think that's part of the reason why why the church is in the state it's in is because there's very little um powerful preaching and that was really the the main point i was trying to make with my my brother's um this weekend was I think that at least from my outside observation and of course um, I, I have a very limited view I, I don't know what all churches are doing or what all preachers are doing and as a matter of fact I have a very 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 small view of that but the Christianity that I see or that I sense um, in our communities in, in in America especially is a very lukewarm um complacent passive church with with uh nice fluffy sermons even even the hard words that are spoken in sermons there's no power behind it and we were talking about like a, a minister like Paul Washer um who we all hold in high reverence because when when he preaches um there is spirit power behind his preaching it is a firm aggressive um uh speech you know when that he gives when he, when he gives a, a sermon it is it is a powerful sermon because it's saturated in the power of the spirit like there can be um preachers it, it, paul washer could preach that same sermon and if the spirit's not in it it's just going to be an intellectual thing we're going to hear truths we're going to nod our head in agreement and we're going to go about our day. And and that's what I think happens in a lot of churches, even, even the good ones. You, you can get an accurate, um, doctrinally sound, um, theologically sound sermon where what is being said is true, but it's not piercing into our hearts. It's, it's not um smashing into our souls and like the the word says that the the word of god is powerful able to pierce to the dividing of soul and spirit and and like 
um, a lot of times we'll hear a sermon or a truth, and it's just kind of in one ear and out the other. We, we sit there on Sunday, we nod in agreement, and then we leave and we go about our day. And we may sit and ponder some of the truths that were spoken and, and think about those things, and that's all well and, and fine, but it didn't pierce. It didn't go into our hearts. And, 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 and like a piercing, dividing word is a painful thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's, the word pierce itself, is it, it implies a pain. It cuts. And so like a, a spirit-driven word, a spirit-driven sermon will cut to the heart. And, and that is what is needed because that cutting cuts away the fat. It cuts away the 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 lackadaisicalness, the the apathy, the the laziness, the lethargy. It it cuts away um, everything that hinders us from walking a spiritually victorious life. It it hinders us from walking a sanctified, purified um, Christian life. Uh, because it's it's just in the head. It's just acknowledged as a truth. It doesn't it doesn't cut. But when the word cuts, it it does that. It 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 impacts the believer um, to make changes in their lives. It motivates. It is the power of God coming into the heart and implanting a desire and a motivation for purity, a desire and a motivation for walking in holiness. Um, without that. It's just intellectual fluff. It's just nice things to hear without that power behind it. And so, and 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 I think that power comes in the fearful reverence of God, the 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 law of God. The it it to the believer it's going to sanctify, and to the unbeliever it's a, a true sermon, in my opinion. If an unbeliever, which our churches are are most likely full of, I would suggest that. Uh, again, from just observation and and discernment, I think that the vast majority um, of of the people in our churches, percentage wise, are lost uh, professors of faith. They aren't the real deal, and and they're able to sit and go to church week after week after week and comfort themselves with the idea that they're Christians because they're keeping up the Christian. Um, uh, behavior the the Christian patterns they think uh, you know in their head they justify themselves and and pad their their comfort thinking that they're they're okay um, because they're able to do this and the reason they're able to do is is because there's no fearful powerful reverent sermons being preached um, if 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 the word of God is preached in in power it's going to sanctify the believers. And unbelievers are going to be left with one of two choices. It's, it, it will make them so uncomfortable and fearful that they'll repent and be saved or they'll leave the church and not come back. And, and there is not a lot of that going on. Um, at, again, at least from my observation, which is very limited. But uh, my brother was in disagreement with me because he's like, well, preaching, you're going through the word and you're just exegeting the scriptures. And as I think about this now, I think, okay, well, we need to get into a, a discussion then the difference between teaching and preaching. Um, but even then, like like Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers, and um, if you listen to his sermons, one always starts by saying that um, a person was quoted as saying the chief secret of Spurgeon's success was that he always found the gospel in every passage. So whatever he was preaching on, 
verse by verse, whatever that verse was, he would come back to the gospel. And, and the gospel includes the law. People need to know what they're being saved from. And it's my opinion that, like Wesley, I'm in agreement that the gospel should be, the vast majority of it should be law. Um, the reason being is that when the spirit pierces, when that heart is broken and contrite, when that heart is brought to that position of fearful trembling before God, knowing their just condemnation, knowing uh, the justice they deserve, when that heart is brought to that position, it does not take much gospel to save them. A simple quote of John 3.16 or um, any of the other gospel verses will be enough to save them because they'll have reached that point of desperation knowing I need to be saved. That the moment they hear about the life preserver of Jesus Christ, the moment they hear about the, the safety that is in Jesus, they will cling to him desperately uh, for preservation. It's, it's like the, um, the old analogy that if I were to walk up to you and say, hey, uh, you suffer from myphalagiganus. You know, you'd be like, what is myphalagiganus? I've never even heard of that. And I'd be like, yeah, you got it, and it's really deadly, and you're going to die. Uh, but here I have this cure, you know, and, and the cure is wonderful, you know, and it tastes great, and it, it makes life better. You're going to have everything that, you, you know, you ever dreamed of, all, all, the, all the good things, you know, and, and you're going to be like, well, I don't need that because I don't have this disease. It sounds like a made-up disease. I don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. Because you're not fearful. Therefore, the cure has no real appeal to you. As a matter of fact, you might even be offended that I'm accusing you of being sick. And so th that's how that analogy goes. But if I come to you and I, and I explain to you the disease and I show you manuscripts um, and, and scientific journals about the disease showing you that it is in fact real and then I describe to you the symptoms and show you the evidences of what these symptoms are and the death rate of it and, and how severe it is and then I point out to you that you have those symptoms and you start to recognize um, you're going to be fearful. You're going to now understand this is a real disease. I have it. Um, what must I do to be saved? And then all I have to do is pull out a bottle and say, hey, there's a cure. This is it. And you're going to say, please give me the cure. Give me the cure. You know, it doesn't take much anymore. Um, you, you will desperately want the cure. And so it is with the gospel. When a person is persuaded of their guilt, if you just come to somebody and say, Jesus loves you, wants to give you a better life, fill the hole in your heart, um, and save you from, from eternal damnation, you're either going to say, A, you're going to think, I don't deserve eternal damnation. I'm not, I don't need that. Um, or B, you're going to be like, you know, get away from me. Uh, it's nonsense. You're accusing me of sin. I don't have sin in my life. Whatever. The, the cure is not going to be, be very appealing. But if a person comes to you and says, says, explains to you the law of God, look, there is a creator God and he is just and holy and righteous and, and he will always do what is just and good. And justice includes the punishment of sin. And sin is lawlessness. Sin is disobedience to God. And God has said, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not covet. And then you, you, you ex have them examine their hearts and say, look, 
you've lied, you've stolen, you've coveted. The wrath of God is due to you. And look around the world. Everybody dies. Everybody goes to that judgment seat. Everybody has an appointment. You don't know when yours is coming. And, and you're guilty and you have all these sins. And if the Spirit moves through that preaching of the law and has convicted that heart and brought them to that position of fear and trembling, uh, brokenness and, and contriteness, um, and, and, and convicted them of their sin, and that's what the Spirit does is convicts. If they're brought to that position, um, like the Jews at the day of Pentecost, they're going to turn and say, what must I do to be saved? How can I escape the condemnation of hell that is justly deserving to me? And then, well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and so on and so forth. A person's going to hear that and because of the spirit conviction that's been brought upon them, they're going to see that as the marvelous light that it is and they'll cling to it. And, and so, like I say, it, it's, a, it's my opinion that that is what preaching should be. Preaching should be 90% uh, law and then that 10% grace at the end, the, the law is what convicts, the law is what drives home the point that that fearful preaching, it's uh, often referred to as the hellfire and brimstone type preaching. And that is the needed message. That is uh, what cures lukewarmness. That is what uh, saves souls. That is what, what breaks hearts and brings them to the point um, uh, of desperate need so that then they'll see the gospel in the proper light.